Well, good morning. Good to see you. Uh, that video that went viral a while back uh, makes fun or pokes fun at the reality of what we're talking about this morning, uh, the idea of being disconnected. Uh, somehow there is this uh, epidemic that's going on where we are increasingly feeling so alone in a socially connected world. We're in a series, and this is week three of a six-part series called Lost in Real Life. And there's multiple areas where we feel lost in life. And we started back uh, three weeks ago with this idea of unfulfilled, the elusive pursuit of happiness. Last week, Steve talked about the idea of disappointment and what do you do uh, and how do you experience hope in the heaviness of life. This morning it is really disconnected. And I think this is such an important subject for us because we said this about being lost a few weeks ago, that we feel lost or we get lost in life because we either, uh, we either had um, taken bad directions, someone gave us bad directions in life, or, or we had no direction. We, we didn't know way, where to go and we just charted our own course, or there's other times where we have, uh, you know, ignored good directions. In the area of this disconnected, especially in the social world that we live in, I honestly believe it's not because many of us have taken bad directions, though that is certainly true, and I don't know that it's because we've ignored good directions, although I'm sure that's true as well. I think more often than not, we just haven't had directions in this area. No one sat down to really talk about, okay, this world. We've just kind of accepted things as they come and the new technology that keeps uh, reshaping the way we do relationships without stopping and thinking about the impact that it's having on us. In fact, uh, the Proverbs is written, you know, 3,500 years ago, kind of old, but has a very prevalent uh, meaning for us today. The author writes this, a simple man, a simple person believes anything, accepts anything, takes it on without thought, whereas a prudent person, prudent is just simply one who understands that all of life is connected. A prudent person is one who understands that their past decisions impact their future destination. A prudent person, it says this, gives thought to his steps. And so this morning, as we talk on this subject, I want to just pause in an area where we haven't had a whole lot of directions, and let's at least give some thought to this world we live in, this socially connected world, and yet, and yet if we're honest, there is this feeling that we are increasingly feeling so alone. To do that, I, I want to first just kind of begin to look at how technology has revolutionized relationships, uh, and better yet is, is to say how it's revolutionizing relationships. There you go. And I just think about, I, I'm at this interesting crossroads in life. You know, I didn't grow up with tech. I mean, the highest tech we had was Atari, you know, as a kid, which is 
awesome. Pong was amazing, you know, and then Nintendo came out. Uh, we didn't have computers until, yeah, well, not, we didn't have, my house didn't have computers until it was almost high school. We had a computer, you know, and anyone remember Oregon Trail, just by the way? Okay, yeah, wasn't that the best game on the face of the planet? <laughs> All green and stuff. Okay, anyways, I, I can't get too sidetracked. We got a lot to go, uh, but I remember when friending, if you remember this, anybody can help remember this? When friending meant at the playground, you went up to a f- stranger and said, want to be friends? <laughs> remember that? I mean, how cool is that? And, and still our kids, if you have young kids, they do that. It's so cute, so amazing. They just walk up to this strange kid and go, hey, want to be friends? <laughs> that's not my, my son has a real deep voice. He actually does. <laughs> that's, that's how he talks. Remember when, when getting someone like, you know, someone to like you, you actually had to write a note, and on it it said, do you like me? Remember that? Anybody? And you had to have a box that said yes, and another box that said no, and another box that said maybe, because you're hoping that they said yes, and then if you, you know, check the box and then send it back. Anybody? I mean, and now we live in a world where you live for the likes, but you don't have to write the note and be that courageous I remember, this is, gonna, this is just dumb, but I'm going to say it anyways. I remember when tweeting was just for birds. Remember that? You know? I know. I know it's dumb. I, I said it was dumb. Okay? I said it was dumb. Just be, all right. You know, but it, it, I remember when Twitter first came out, and I got a, an account, and I got my name, you know, which is so cool because you have your actual name. And for like a year or two, I, I was like, this is the dumbest thing on the face of the planet. Deleted my account, and now I can't get my name back, you know. I'm like, unbelievable. But... Let's talk, I'm sorry, I diverge. Uh, Let's talk about, there's a few things when I look at technology and how it's revolutionizing our relationships, that is having this impact on how we do community and how we do friendships and how we do, uh, you know, uh, all types of relationships. Let's look at, there's, there's both so many good things, so many advantages and yet at the same time, equally, there, there are disadvantages. Let's look at some unique advantages. The first is that you can stay connected with everyone and anyone. So unique in our stage of life, that, uh, in our world today, that we can stay connected with anyone around the face of the planet, get connected to new people all the time. Uh, you know, I just was talking with someone that's on our team about this, and she brought up that when she uh, entered high school, everyone had a cell phone, and, but she didn't. And so her freshman year of high school, she couldn't find her friends. Now, here's what was, just blew me away, because in, in my freshman year of high school, no one had cell phones. No one thought about cell phones. So I didn't know this is a brand new reality. See, my ninth grade, like, first day of high school, I showed up to high school scared spitless, you know, and didn't know hardly anyone. My junior high didn't, you know, dump into this high school, and it was massive, and it was big, and there's three quads, three hangout areas. The first quad, which I later found out was where the cool kids and normal kids hang out. The second quad is where all the kids that played Dungeons and Dragons hung out, you know, and they, like, fought with swords. They literally had foam swords and stuff. Every I was like, wow, and wore dark gothic clothes, and then there was the third quad, which was, like, way down there, just the misfits, you know, and, and I didn't know any better. I just hung out at the third quad looking for some friends anywhere that I knew, wandering aimlessly. And finally, like two weeks in, one of my buddies like walks by, Ryan, you go to this school? I said, yeah. 
I didn't know that. Where you been? Third quad? <laughs> no, you shouldn't be in the third quad. Third quarters, man, they talk about third quad. I'm like, I, I didn't know. Come to the first quad. And I walked past the second quad, you know, like, hey, guys, don't kill me. And then I, you know, walked to the first quad. I'm like, wow, look at this place. Today, you don't have to have that. Isn't this amazing? Like, you can, she was like, you can text your friends, hey, let's meet out here. And I'm like, you're right. My kids will never have to have that ninth grade experience because they can stay connected. Uh, the second advantage here is they have access, or we have access to what's happening immediately, all the time. You have just access, immediate access. It's so amazing. I, I was alerted on my phone of my friends who are in Nepal I, uh, via Facebook. It was incredible. One, I didn't know they were there, but then also to know that they checked in to say that they were safe. Like, how incredible, what access we have to immediate uh, lifetime that's happening right now, to know in a massive tragedy to be able to stay connected in that way. And, and it's incredibly helpful. Third one is that we get to share your life with the world. I mean, whether it's a blog or whether it's... Uh, uh, you know, your Facebook or Instagram, you can share your life and thinking of, I have family members all across the country and we want to stay connected and show them pictures of our family, but I don't want to pay for postage. And so, you know, if you got this picture of my family right up here, I think, hopefully, yeah, help me. Thank you. There we go. And that great picture, by the way. Yeah, a cute family, if I do say so myself. Uh, but, but this was, you know, our uh, Christmas card. But we don't send out too many Christmas cards because we're not very organized. And so we were able to post it on Facebook. And our family members were able to go like, wow, look at that cute family. And obviously this was a few years a few years ago, I'm getting choked up, um, a few years ago there, but we can share our life with the world. We can capture and share special moments at any moment, which is an amazing thing of, you know, a friend who has a baby, and maybe some of you are tired of baby photos on Facebook, but you get to see that, get engaged, and get to know that, you know, you, you know, you find out, hey, they had an amazing hamburger, and you get to share that special <laughs> moment with them. And, and then, it, and then it, goes, it goes with you wherever you go. And this is incredible. I was in Haiti, what, a month ago or something like that, in rural Haiti, and I'm FaceTiming my kids. I'm like, how cool is that? I, I, I'm a world away in a place that is, like, still operating, like, you know, agri agrarian society, and I'm able to FaceTime and talk for free, by the way. See, when my wife and I dated, and she was in Sweden, and I was in Chicago, we did, had something called prepaid phone cards. And I spent a lot of money to talk to my honey over there. And we just, these are amazing advantages that we get to experience today. But, but there are, and we know this, there are some disadvantages. There are some challenges to it. And that we get to stay connected with everyone and anyone. But the problem is it gives us, and many times, the illusion of intimacy. Because we're, we have more information about people, but we actually have less access and less intimacy with people. In fact, a study shows that an average Facebook user has 328 friends, but the average American has only two close friends, and, and by the way, 25% of Americans say they have no close friends. 
And we have this illusion of intimacy. Because I know information about you, I feel like I know you, but I don't really know you at all. We've, because we have access to what's happening immediately, this growing, this is, we've always experienced this, but it's now become a term, FOMO, you know? Fear of missing out. For those who are like, what does FOMO mean? I don't know. Uh, FOMO, fear of missing out, is you get to see all the stuff that you weren't invited to. Why wasn't I invited? That looks so fun. And by the way, this is big for those of us who have kids because they're on Facebook and the playground, the lunchtime never ends now. The whole popularity game and all those sort of things continue 24-7. And you get to have posts and pictures and all sorts of things that reveal like, well, wait a second. Those are my friends too. How come they're having fun in this like sepia tone reality over there? I don't know why it looks that way, but it does. <laughs> uh, third thing, you know, we get to share our life with the world, but, but what's problematic here is it presents oftentimes we, a filtered persona of ourselves, or we get a filtered persona of others. In fact, bring back up that family photo for you, for me, would you? <laughs> This looks, I mean, what story do you think this picture tells? It tells the story of this one Swedish family, obviously. Um, <laughs> there you go. But, but it, also, it also tells the story of this incredibly happy, wonderful, you know, like life's perfect family. What you don't know is we wanted to take our Christmas photos, but in September to get ahead of the game. It's the only year we've ever been ahead of the game. And our friend, who's an incredible photographer, uh, obviously, uh, it's 95 degrees out. School just ended. Everyone's hungry and angry. I mean, this, this picture happened under fierce threat and bribery. I, I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, this is, we look back on this day and go, that was one of the worst days as a family. And yet the photo looks like, man, isn't that peaceful? And what do they do? They just go hang out in the woods together <laughs> and have so much fun. And it's a filtered persona. It's not reality. And we look at life and we look at everybody else's life and we, we get to see it through their filtered Reality, and as a result, we filter our persona to what we think other people want to see from us. Third, fourth thing, capture and share special moments at any moment. What has happened is we've become, as a society, addicted to instant affirmation. Instant gratification actually stimulates a part of the brain that releases dopamine, and so we actually get addicted to this behavior of shaping everything. All those special moments, are they for special moments or are they for, do you shape it in such a way where I gotta get the selfie, I, I, I gotta get it just right so that everyone likes it. And how many likes did you get? And how many people retweeted that? And how many, and we begin to get addicted to constant ad affirmation we say, okay, like me, love me, hey, hey, tell me more about me. It goes with you wherever you go. The dark side of that is there's now no more downtime. There's no more space. 
There's no more time to just be. There's no more time to let your soul catch up with the day's activity and the stuff that was processed because the minute you have a downtime, you pull this out. I have, I have this knee-jerk reaction that even with, and this is funny, maybe you have this too, even when I don't have my phone on me, I feel it. Anybody, you have those, you know, like, oh, hey, I got, oh, wait a second. How did I feel a buzz, but I don't even have a phone? And then when I do have the phone, I just do this. I don't even know why. But the moment I have any free time, I don't let my brain, there's no more boredom. In fact, 80% of teens actually sleep with their phones, by the way. Growing percent of teens say they're online constantly. Average adult spends at least eight hours a day connected. No more downtime. Why do we feel so alone in such a socially connected world? And there is, there is indeed unique and wonderful advantages in the world we live in that we can be connected in ways we never could be connected before. And yet, because I think we've bought in or brought in some of this stuff without thinking about it, some of the dark side has crept in, and we're experiencing the problematic reality of a socially connected world. So I want to talk for the next few minutes about reconnecting what's disconnected. How do you actually experience a deep relationship, deep community, in a really, let's call it what it is, a superficial world. I just want to give you three areas that, that I'd, I'd ask you to consider reconnecting in your life that, that could it be that the, that the social world we live in has actually, even though you're more connected to everyone else, you've gotten disconnected to a few core things in your life that causes you, that causes me to feel disconnected in life. And I just ask you, would you consider reconnecting these three areas that I, I believe are disconnected, and as a result, keep us from experiencing deep, deep connection and relationship. Uh, the first area to reconnect is the area of our identity, our identity. When I say the word identity, what I mean here is, is your worth, your value, your significance. It's the question, who are you? Where do you find your worth? Where do you find your significance? Where do you find your value? I love what the Apostle Paul writes in Colossians, and he writes this. Therefore, as God's chosen, and just circle that word chosen for me, would you? Chosen people, holy and dearly loved, and then circle that word clothe. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and patience. Reconnecting your identity. Where do you find your value? Is it from how many likes, how many people affirmed? Is it from what you drive, what you wear, how successful you are, and how many people know it? See, there's an order that we see here that is so powerful. The order in God's world is that you have intrinsic value. 
that your value isn't actually outside of you, but it's actually you, that the person next to you has intrinsic value because they are made in the image of God, and God has placed value in you and declares you valuable, and so as a result, his estimation of you far outweighs anyone else's estimation of you. And so you can say, you know what, my out of my value of being a child of God, I begin to operate my life. But sadly, what we do is we live out of the value of others. The estimation of someone else. Remember the process, Paul says it right here. Therefore, 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 check this. As God's chosen... You want to know how valuable you are? It's not whether he chose you or she chose you on tender. God chose you in life. You are God's. Who are you? You're God's. Who are you? You're God's chosen one. Man. I mean, what would change? What would change in your life if you begin to estimate your life and your value by God's estimation of you? You are God's chosen, and it says holy, set apart, unique. I've got a purpose and a plan, beloved. You're beloved. You're chosen, and because you're chosen, then you clothe. Because of your chosenness in God, then you clothe yourself. See, what we do is we clothe ourselves to be chosen, we clothe ourselves and put outward adornment and post and whatever so that somebody will choose us. And he says, wrong order. You are chosen, and so as a result, you can be clothed. Hmm. You ready? With compassion. Whew. You know what compassion is? Empathy in action where you feel for others and you have the capacity because your value and your weight and your significance is in the choosing of God in you that you're now able to hurt for people and not just hurt for them, but to actually move beyond that and be active and engage. Kindness. It's the quality of bringing helpfulness to others. Humility. Having a servant's heart. Gentleness. is strength under control. Patience. I love this one. The ability to endure and have a good attitude in the process. It says you are chosen and so you clothe. You are approved and so you have a far different apparel than others. See, when my identity isn't in question, I don't need for you to be my answer. When my identity isn't a question mark, I don't need you to like all the things. I don't need your constant affirmation because I have the affirmation of the God of the universe. And so I don't need for you to be my answer because my answer is I am God's chosen. Who are you? I am God's chosen. Who are you? I am God's chosen kid, beloved, adopted son. Who are you? See, that's how we begin to reconnect in a disconnected world by the way. Diagnostic question here for you is, am I living from or for approval? Am I living from a place of approval or am I living for someone's approval? Let me give you just maybe a a diagnostic here on how do you know whether your identity is from or for approval. 
and I, and, I, and I just say this. How well can you celebrate others? Secure people celebrate others' successes. Insecure people criticize other people's successes. How well do you celebrate other people's successes? See, we get online and we envy and we criticize and we go, all the things, well, she's just wearing that or he's just doing this. Secure people who know their value isn't placed in other, what other people estimated them are able to go, man, way to go. By the way, secure churches celebrate other churches' successes. Insecure churches criticize other churches' successes. The first area I'd ask you to consider in reconnecting in a disconnected world is reconnecting your identity back to from, not for, approval. Second area, reconnecting authenticity. If the first asks the question, who are you? This asks the question, who knows you? Who really knows you? Reconnecting authenticity. We live in a world, and I talked about it even a few weeks ago, where we compare our unfiltered real life with other people's filtered highlight reel. And so as a result, what we do is then we begin to present, like we said, this filtered persona. It's not you. You don't generally look that good. You had to use some things to help you out there. (laughs) Sorry. We present this filtered persona. In fact, one friend was telling me about a time when they went out uh, and they were hanging out in this really cool area, but they weren't going to go out that night. They were just too tired, but they wanted everyone to think they went out that night. So they put on the dresses and the clothes and they went for a walk and took a selfie in the street to make it look like they went out that night, but they didn't go out that night. They just took pictures like they went out that night and so everyone thought they went out that night. What if, what if the real you showed up? What if the unfiltered you was what people actually saw? See, when we don't want that anymore, we're, we're increasingly becoming disconnected from others because we're disconnected from ourselves because we don't even know who we really are. And we project The Apostle Paul said this. I love this. Check this out. I don't even have time to finish the verse because I went so long on the first point. I'll just do verse nine just so you know. He says, love, 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 the basis for a great relationship, the basis for community, love must be sincere. That word literally means without hypocrisy. It's, it's where we, the, we get the picture from the Greek minds of where they would be doing these plays and you'd have an actor who would be playing multiple parts and they would have masks in these plays and for their different roles they had put up a mask. And then they would change their voice and put up another mask. And what Paul's saying is authentic community means the real you taking off the mask. And see, here's the problem, is we have a mask when we show up at church that we present and we project to others. We have a mask when we show up to work that we present, that we project to others. We have a mask with our family, and we get so confused on who we are. It says love must be sincere without hypocrisy. 
Now, some people have taken this. I saw this. This guy on Twitter said this, because this is not what it means. Like, I'm just going to be sincere. And he said this. Say what you feel. It's not rude. It's just being real. No, no, it's, it's rude. Let's, let's just call it what it is. That sounds catchy. That sounds nice. No, that's not what it means to be real. That's what it means to be a jerk, okay? Saying what you feel. Now, there are times because of this, because we're not authentic, we don't hang out with people, and we're not real about where we're really at. There's times to talk real, But it doesn't mean that you go on this, you know, explosion on social media and say all the things you feel in tirade because you have a screen in front of you. Would you say that to someone's face? Most likely not. But you'd type it. Now, listen to what he says here. Here's the reason he doesn't mean this. Hate, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Hate, strong word, abhor. You know what, we've gotten so sideways in the area of what's evil and what's good today, haven't we? God's word's clear on a lot of things and gray on a few things. Let's at least be clear on what God's clear on. Just because it's socially acceptable doesn't make it personally beneficial. And we buy into this. And see this all the time. And I'll just, I'll confront some pastors. And I don't think we have any in the room except for me. Pastors get this. Oh man, that was an amazing message. You're the best. You can do that sometime too. Um, <laughs> on, on Twitter. And then they retweet it. Now think about this. If someone says, and, and says something great or nice about you and then you're in a conversation. Hey Nick, what's up dude? Good to talk with you. No, Roland says I'm the best. <laughs> I'm amazing. And that message was bomb diggity is actually, I think, his bomb diggity. Yeah, it's a technical phrase in the Greek. <laughs> right? We would never do that in person, but somehow it's acceptable on social media. What we call that is pride. God is against the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You want God to oppose you? Be proud. And yet we find, oh, it's socially acceptable. This is just how we behave online. You know what else is socially acceptable? And this is in the Christian arena. And I'm just going to kind of hate on one particular app for a second. Tinder. Okay? No, I got real, didn't it? Because uh, some of you are like, oh, delete, delete, delete. <laughs> No Christian should be on Tinder, by the way. And I know I'm going to sound like the old fuddy-duddy pastor, but you know what it does? Is you judge and value another human being by a swipe. Don't like you? Go left. Don't like you? Hmm, interesting. Like you? What do you value it on? Looks. Proximity. And you, you begin to degrade the other human, but what it does is it does such a degradation to your own soul when you treat an image bearer of God, a valued daughter or son, in a way that they're just worth your swipe. That's a good spot, by the way. I just, I, amen by myself. If you're even not with me, I don't even care on that one. 
Just because it's socially acceptable doesn't mean it's personally beneficial. I'll give you one last one and then we'll move on. Somehow, we are so addicted to this thing and I have a good buddy um, and we, we help keep each other accountable. And he's got the internet on his phone and where he can access stuff, and um, I don't. And I don't mean this from a standpoint. I just want to just clarify with you. Yesterday, I was hanging out at the ball field, baseball field. It was during the Golden State Warriors game, which is, honestly, would have been rather watching that than, okay. <laughs> but I asked the guy next to me, what's the score? Because I can't look it up on my phone. You know why? Because it's not personally beneficial for me to have access to crap at any moment, especially a weak moment. And I don't want to do anything that would ever undermine my testimony, the testimony of my God, or hurt my family. And so as a result, even though it may be good for you, it's not good for me, and so I'm going to delete it from my phone. Some of you need to delete it from your phone. But, but I, I can't check. Yeah, so what? Who cares? Hate what is evil. Cling. Clinging as if all life depends on what is good. The diagnostic question here is, am I living a whole or cropped life? We're recently at a hotel, and the picture online did not represent the whole picture. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. The picture online, I thought this was a paradise, but the price said it was a dump. But the picture said it was a paradise, and so I believed the picture. And the reviews on their website were cropped reviews as well, because if you went to Yelp, you'd see different reviews. They checked just the three good reviews that they did have, and this one picture, and that's what we do, doesn't it? We crop our lives. We filter our lives. And as a result, by the way, nobody knows you. You know why you're so alone? Nobody knows you at all. See, everybody doesn't need to know everything about you, but somebody does. Somebody does. Who are the few in your life? You know, Jesus even had the few. He had the masses and he had the crowd. He had the 12, which were his bros, but then in the 12, he had the three. I think we all need three. I'm just basing it on what Jesus did. I figure he's a pretty good person to follow. I don't know. You pick your number. But am I living a whole or crop life? Does someone know something, not just a few things, but everything about me? First, reconnecting our identity. Who are you? From, not for. Second, reconnecting authenticity. Who really knows you? Whole, not cropped. And finally, third, is reconnecting relationally. Reconnecting relationally. If the first, ask the question, who are you? Second, who, do you, who really knows you? This is asking, who do you really know? This is the process for forming great relationships that will satisfy your soul. Because it's not all about you. Sorry, just didn't mean to crush anyone. But who do you really know? Notice what Paul goes on to say in Colossians. Bear with each other and forgive one another. 
bear, doesn't sound very fun, does it? Bear with each other. Forgive. You, you, know, you, know, you know the problem with relationships today? We can do friendship on our own terms now, can't we? See, we get to unfollow, unfriend. If we don't really like the person, then we delete them from our account. It's not just who really knows you, but who do you really know? And when you really get to know people, you get to see the unfiltered person. And by the way, the unfiltered person isn't as pretty as the filtered person. And there's going to be conflict, and there's going to be hard times. This is what happens, by the way, in marriage. (laughs) Is when you're dating, it is the filtered persona. You present the best you engaged, it gets a little bit more real. But when you're married and you wake up next to her without makeup and you wake next up to him with bad breath, you get the unfiltered persona of them. And if we never do life in such a way that we begin to do that regularly, we feel like, wow, shocked. Forgive. I love this. It says this, forgive as The Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord. Your identity is all all goes back. Your identity. What's your identity? Forgiven by God. My identity, my standing, forgiven. Not by a human being, but by the God of the universe so I can do relationships in a radically new way. I can forgive you because I've been forgiven by God as the Lord. And then notice, forgave you. You're like, your identity, oh, who's the real you? I need forgiving. And we live this unauthentic lives. And so as a result, we deem demonify, there you go, Uh, everyone else's behavior and hide our own. Hmm. And over all these virtues, put on love. And the point here is as long as I'm more concerned with getting likes, I will never be able to truly give love. By the way, Emmanuel is what? God with us. God didn't just tell us how much he loved us. He showed us how much he loved us. He was with us, and as a result, he says, bear with others. When you're with people, are you with them? Diagnostic question here is, am I present or preoccupied? Your kids are begging for your attention. Your friends are longing for you to ask a question and put down the phone. Would you be engaged? I mean, would there be times where you'd finally go, okay, I'm going to reconnect relationally. I want to get to know you, not the you online. And so I'm going to put down my phone and I'm not going to check it and I'm not going to look at all these things and I'm just going to be present with you. Maybe when you guys are bowling, like on the picture, you don't just look at your phone the whole time. Maybe it could be a great time to actually talk to one another. I know it's weird. You don't have to just text, but you can actually talk. 
Maybe at the dinner table, you just put the phone somewhere else. Maybe at bedtime, you don't sleep with your phone. Am I present or preoccupied? Reconnecting. Identity. Authenticity. Relationally. Let me give you just this, what I think is a closing thought, and I'll get you out of here. Closing thought. You're not a special as you think. But you're far more special than you know. You're not special or important as you think. But, I love that word but, my counselor says this way, when you're giving a, a compliment and you use the word but, it totally negates the compliment. Never use the word but when you give a compliment. Hey son, you did a great job at the game, but, and it takes away all of that. My, my point on this but is to take away all of that. You're not as special as you think. The world doesn't revolve around you. No one thinks about you as much as you think about you. You're not so important that everyone needs to have access to you all the time. You're not so important that everyone needs to hear constant updates from you all the time. You're not as special as you think, but, but do not miss this. You are far more special than you could ever know. Because the God of the universe chose you. You are beloved of God. Do me a favor. Just tell the person next to you, you're not as special as you think, but you're far more special than you know. At the end of your life, let me ask you this as we will close. I've, I've gone a little long. At the end of your life, what will matter most? You're not as special as you think but you're far more special than you know. It's from, not for. It's whole, not cropped. It's present, not preoccupied. Would you start this week and just remind yourself, wake up, I'm not as special as I think, but I'm far more special than I know. I have your approval. Because I'm today, I want to operate from approval, not for approval. I, I want to be whole in every engagement and not just simply the filtered crop persona of me. And hmm, I want to be present. And if it's with my kids, and if it's with my coworkers, if it's with a friend, and not preoccupied. From, not for. Whole, not cropped. Present, not preoccupied. God, thanks so much for today. Thanks for this time. Teach us. Teach us, God, how to lean into you and to really connect deeply to you and those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.